Shalom PCC and welcome to the Sea of Galilee. As you're reflecting on the book of John, I'm thinking of you and praying for you. It's an early morning. The sun's just rising here over the Galilee region and it is a beautiful, beautiful morning. We have quite a day ahead of us as a group of PCC pilgrims walking in the dust of the rabbi. As I think of my personal reflection uh, on the book of John, I cannot get beyond what we studied in John chapter 21, which, I can't believe I'm saying this, happened right in that region, right there, and somewhere around there. It was like an early morning like this. We just talked about this last week. And Jesus was cooking fish on a seashore, and the disciples said, it's the Lord, and Peter got off and ran to Jesus. I love the contrast between John 21 and Luke chapter 5. It just taught me a lot about confession, about repentance, and about the grace of God, the grace of Jesus, especially Jesus' way of telling Peter, feed my lambs. I could just see Jesus saying, Peter, we got work to do. Come on. Just do this my way, and your life will never be the same. So as you reflect on the book of John, and you reflect on its glorious truth within, especially that theme verse, John chapter 20, verse 31, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I pray that as you reflect on what God's taught us, I think that for me is it. God taught me there is life in Jesus' name. There is life in the Jesus way. There's life in the Jesus community. And I'm excited. I'm excited that we get to live that life together and we get to spread through Jesus the knowledge of the fragrance of him to everyone on the peninsula. That's hope that moves all over the place. So God bless you. Enjoy your time of reflection. I'm going to go back to the shore of the Galilee and reflect myself with Jesus. And I look forward to being with you again real soon. God bless you. Isn't that awesome? What a scene. huh? The historical basis of our faith. Gary's in that promised land right now. It's neat. There's some other. If you uh, YouTube Gary Gadini, you'll see him walk on water in the next video. And... Uh, a couple miracles, I think. Something comes up there. But no, he's a true, Gary's a true historian of heart. Then we have some ones of him partying in Italy, I think, at one point. And so, but no, Gary's a true historian at heart. And so it's, he is so jazzed to have people with him there and to walk again uh, the important places uh, of God's word and the reality of history, the reality of history. Well, welcome. I'm Brian Wren. It's good to be with you. And as Gary said, we're going to spend time today reflecting really reflecting, and you've got to help me do this. It's just not me reflecting. It's all of us reflecting on uh, the book of John and how it's impacting us. And what I love about this book is the following. This book's about two things. It's really this simple, believing and following. And I think it's important throughout our lives that we stop and remember and reflect about where we are in our own belief and our own following. Because those are two different, very different things. It's one thing to believe in something. It's another thing to actually do something with that, that faith, step off it and follow. And so today really gives you an opportunity to ponder personally, where am I with believing and following? How has the book of John impacted me when it comes to believing and following? And so would you just repeat this after me? It's about believing and following. Yeah, 
It's that simple. It's about believing and following. And this is what I love about this book. It's endlessly about believing and following. You're going to hear me talk about later how this book's very redundant, and it is. But it's part of the gift that God has given us, I think, to remember. Because as redundant as this book is, is as forgetful as we are. Anybody relate to that? It's just wild how redundant this book is, literally, and how forgetful we are. I'm most amazed by that in my own walk. The gift of walking with God, I really believe, is a gift. I'm more and more convinced that faith is actually a gift. And then we receive, and it's whether or not we then open it fully and walk into it. And in my 25 years of attempting to walk with God, I'm still amazed how much I have forgotten. And so I love the redundancy of John in that way. Will you open up to John 20? It's in page 1088 in your pew Bible. Somewhere on your phone, it's in there also. I don't know that page number. Or it's just John 20 in your own Bible, verse 31. What I love about believing and following, it's the essence of Christianity. If you were to boil it fully down, you could have a conversation with somebody. Would you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Because that's exactly what John was wanting to convince us of. Okay, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes or no? Are you willing to follow? And that's the essence of Christianity every day when you wake up. And that's what they're getting at and what John's wanting to get at. And look what he says. It's surprising to me that he puts this passage so deep in the book. We're at chapter 20 now. We're a chapter away from the end of the book. It's amazing to me. I would, I would think he would take this chapter, or excuse me, this passage, and put this at the beginning, because it would be a thesis statement. It would say, hey, this is why I'm writing this book. I'm, I'm writing this book, and I'll just read it to you. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, I would think he would put this in the very beginning. But what's interesting, if you look at who this book's written to, he's writing to a Jewish population, and he kind of shocks and awes them at the very beginning. He doesn't start with just a simple statement of why he's writing it. He starts with this. In the beginning was the word. For a Jew to hear that, it would have got their attention right away, because that sounds a lot like Genesis. And then he would have used the word, the word. And Jews understood that meant to mean the logos, the creation of all things, the core, the essence of life. And that would have actually almost offended them and would have got their attention. If you think about what he does in the rest of the book of John, he's endlessly saying Jesus and the Father are one. He's endlessly showing these miracles. He's showing them real people in real circumstances, some Jewish, some not, who are believing this. Walks them through the true resurrection and then now the end he says this line but these are written that you may believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name do you see gary often says the best things are left for last he doesn't want them to miss it he's told them all these things some have been shocking some they don't understand some they go there must be something special about this guy but he's encapsulating it now at this statement. He also goes on just after that statement, if you flip in your Bible and go to John 21, 19, he shows us again the word follow. John 21, 19, he's talking to Peter and he says, then he said to him, 
follow me. Believing, following. What's interesting, he bookends this with believing and following. And he does this also in the beginning. Flip all the way to John 1 now. Go to John 1. Go to verse 6 in John 1. I don't know where that is in your pew Bible, but you can get there. Flip back a bunch of pages. Thank you. And look what he says in John 1, verse 6 and 7. He's talking about John the Baptist, a different John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might what? Believe. You go on to verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Again, believed. Talking about believing at the end, talking about believing at the beginning. Look what he does when he meets the disciples. Go to right in chapter 1. Go to chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. This book's about believing and following from the start. It's about believing and following from at the end. And in the middle, it's about all of these intellectual, heartfelt, and gut-wrenching examples of people wrestling with what? Believing and following. We repeat after me, it's about believing and following. following. Welcome to the rest of your life. Because it's about believing and following. I don't care if today you're trying to wrestle with just, do I believe? Or it's your 37th year when you wake up tomorrow and go, do I believe? And am I willing to follow? What's amazing, let me give you a definition of believing and following. It might put it a different way. To believe and follow, and I'll say this slowly, maybe you want to write it down. To believe and follow is to put faith in something or someone to the point that it radically alters the way you live your life. To believe and follow is to put faith into something or someone to the point that it radically alters the way you live your life. Now, for example, this stool. I believe so much that I'm willing to follow and put my tush down and sit on it knowing that it'll support me. And I radically do this in a zillion places because we sit everywhere and we have endless faith. And so we are followers of the seat, right? We believe the seat will hold us. All these other places we sit, we believe in the seat. But I have a step stool at home that I don't believe in. <laughs> it's about 10, 20 years old, crate and barrel. I don't care how much wood glue I put on it. It never sticks together. I don't trust it. This morning, it was in the bathroom. I flipped it upside down because I was mad at it. Because it was kind of half broken. It's still sitting there right now. But my friend Nate, ooh, I believe in my friend Nate. I will follow him to many places that I would never go. Nate's a guy who, he's smarter than I am, he's more trustworthy than I am, he's actually a lot safer than I am. And I mean, when I know I have, you never go somewhere, you know, I need a safe person. Not a safe person I can trust and talk to, you need those too. I need a safe person, if something goes wrong, they'll know how to get us out of this mess, all right? I like taking firemen with me places, because they, they're good people to have around. <laughs> Nate's one of those guys. We go uh, hiking these crazy places in Colorado together. I won't go without him. I call him my Sherpa. <laughs> because I know 
When there's trouble, Nate will know whether we should stay or go or how to handle that. I believe in Nate fully. I am willing to follow him to places that are radically different. I've had experiences with Nate that I would have never had if I hadn't what? Followed him. But I had to believe in him. This is what Jesus is offering. This is what Jesus is offering. To believe and follow is to put faith in something or someone to the point that it radically alters the way you live. What I love about the book of John, there's something about it. When people get engaged in it, it seems to impact their belief and their following. It reminds me of my buddy. Two years ago, A Son of God came out. It was a movie, and it portrayed the book of John pretty straight through uh, the literal text. And so our small group went. We had a guy in our small group. He was new to faith. He hadn't really ever read the Bible. And we had told him uh, along the journey, hey, read the book of John. And then we went, hey, this movie's about the book of John. Let's go. So we went. And it's funny going with men to movies. You know, men in movies, it's, it's kind of a hoot. You sit separately. You don't sit right next to each other. You leave a seat. It's weird, okay? You don't share candy, okay? You don't share popcorn, okay? It's not very intimate, and it's weird, okay? And it's still trying to work it out. I make guys sit next to each other. Come on, guys, stop being selfish. We've got to leave seats for other people, okay? So we get done with the movie, and as we go in the movie, I'm thinking this, hokey Jesus movie. Oh, man, I hope this isn't one of those hokey Jesus movies. It wasn't. I showed you some of the clips, uh, Palm Sunday. It's great portrayal. But then we get out of the movie. What do men do after the movie? Like, what, do, what are Christian men supposed to do after a movie? I don't know. You know. So we go sit in those seats. It was dark, and so we sat in the seats, and we're kind of debrief. And we're hanging out. Hey, what would you think of the movie? What would you think? And our one guy was kind of new to the whole thing. He's really quiet to begin with, and he says, uh, hey, hey, I got something to say. And I'm like, all right, everybody else shut up. Let this guy say something, because he doesn't say much. And he goes, I believe it. And we're like, well, what? He goes, no, the whole thing, man. I believe it. And I go, tell us a little more about that. And he goes, no. He goes, you guys have me read the book of John. He goes, we came and saw this movie. It was like a pictorial version of the book of John. He goes, I believe this. We didn't know what to do. <laughs> are we supposed to get popcorn milk duds and just celebrate right there? Like, what are we supposed to do? And, and we were kind of uncomfortable. And so we prayed for the guy and just said, holy cow. This guy, based on the book of John, this movie, and by the power of God working his life, put his mark at the first table at the top of the escalator at Century 20. That's how powerful this is. What's amazing is he lived out that definition of how then once you believe and follow, if you have enough faith, it'll radically alter your life. Because this is what I've seen since then. In the next two years, he goes to work differently. He relates to all his family members differently. He copes differently. And he coped in a really tough, wrong way for a lot of years. He knows how to cope differently now. He cares differently. He put off a relationship with his dad that just culminated this past week where his dad died this week. He sent me a picture of his dead father. And he said, hey, I'm here and I needed to come. And in the end, he didn't say in a text, but we talked today. He was at the 905 He said, because of God, I went. Because of his following Jesus. We stood outside the gym today as we talked, as as he heard me tell a story. I didn't share his part because he hadn't said it to me. But he said, these last two years, he goes, without Jesus in my life, there's no way I probably would have been ready to deal with my dad's death in the healthiest way. In the healthiest way. 
It was beautiful. It was beautiful and touching and powerful to see a life changed. I don't know what it is for you and what has touched you about believing and following Jesus in the book of John. I have found some things really helpful. I love how the first, first really 12 chapters are three full years of his ministry and they show him deeply embedded with people in public. He's a public God who wants to touch our public needs. And then I love how we have this intimate view of him that led us through the Easter season and then chapters 13 to 21 that we see how he prays for us. We see how he dies for us. We see how he restores us. I mean, it's very intimate. It's very intimate. I don't know if that touched you. Maybe it was the redundancy. You know, this book is extremely redundant. This book is over and over again redundant. It says the same thing over and over again. What's wild, there's 15,000 words and only 1,000 of them are different. So that means it's really what? Redundant. And I love it in that way. Because look what it's saying in its word usage. Is that Jesus and the Father are one? Do you believe that Jesus and the Father are connected and they're the same? Have you been able to see the life that Jesus wants to give us? Have you been able to experience his love? It's all about others who have saw what Jesus has done or seen the truth. It's about examples of being challenged to follow and those who are following. It's about the seven miraculous signs that show up from the healings. That do we believe those or not? It's about eternal life. You know, it's interesting for me. I love, and it was stated, I think, in the gathering about abundant life out of John 10.10. The abundant life is what I was yearning for as an individual when I was drawn to Christ. It wasn't eternal life. This book really promotes abundant life on earth and eternal life. And it's really interesting. Like, what camp do you fall into? Are you an abundant life person seeking peace and satisfaction on this earth? Or are you an eternal life person? You can't wait to get there and you, that you're drawn to it. I think it's good either way. That's the beauty of Jesus. He's so gracious. He meets us where we're at. I mean, I've had a daughter who died and still the draw of heaven isn't that strong to me. But the draw of peace on this earth, finding satisfaction in helping people heal, oh, that is. And being healed myself. Can you relate to that? There's so much. There's so much there. And then how about the chapter summaries? The chapter summaries are powerful. In these specific chapters, and I think they fall into a couple categories. There's something in here for the intellect. If you're highly intellectual and you're trying to wrestle through some of this and go, is this true and how does this relate to Judaism and the Old Testament? I mean, it just starts with the first line. In the beginning was the Word. The Word. It's a claim that he's the Logos, that he's the core of all things, he's the essence. I mean, right there, that's an intellectual journey unto itself. How about the I am statements that he would say he is the I am and that's what, he, that's what God said to Moses and now we're linking a journey from far beyond together. I mean, intellectually, how about the historical proof in 14, 15, and 16 that speaks to the Father and the Son and the complexity of that and then leads to then really uh, 18, 19, and 20 in the, the resurrection death of Jesus. 
There's so much there. How about the heartfeltness? Maybe for some of you, you relate more as an individual. And it was the story of Nicodemus, the good Jew, the good Christian, who is asking, there must be more. Or it was the wounded woman at the well who had lost her identity from birth as a Samaritan, whose sinfulness, she just felt so much shame, and she's fully received. I mean, did you relate to that more? Or was it the man at the pool where his brokenness he needed healing for, though it was physical, it could be something different, not as physical, and he just needs to be healed? Or Peter, the restoration of Peter, where he failed, he failed, he failed, and he was loved, and he was loved, and he was loved. Did that touch you the most? So maybe it's not your mind that you were drawn into, or maybe it was, or maybe it wasn't your heart, this feeling, this relational aspect of Jesus. Maybe it was just you love seeing passionate people for Jesus and you're a passionate person. How about Mary? I love the 12th chapter. It's his triumphal entry. I would call it the triumphal worship because he's worshiped when he came in. He's worshiped throughout that chapter. And then Mary drops the perfume bomb. She's so passionate, she just wastes for him. It's beautiful. It almost seems wrong. And then Peter, who just can't get it right, says the wrong thing, denies him, as I already said. But in the end, it's such a great example. Somebody with so much passion that he doesn't even know how to control it. But then it falls under the control of God. And history's changed as a result. Or was it the I am statements? How about this one? I'm the bread of life. This one got me the most. Because I fill my body with a lot of things sometimes to make myself feel better and cope. Anybody else relate to that? Okay. And then when I read he's the bread of life and he will satisfy, I have to stop and go, why, why am I wrestling with believing that? And why won't I fully follow into that? Are you with me? When he says, nothing can satisfy more than his bread, but I put other things in to try to cope and satisfy. I've really been wrestling with that one during this, this, this season. Or how about when he says, I'm the light that will lead you out of darkness. Oh, isn't it so true? Or I'm the gateway. This is the way to go. This is the gate. Not there, but this one. Or I'm the good shepherd in the parallel to Psalm 23 where you go, he wants peace and rest from my soul. Why won't I let him shepherd me? Or I'm the resurrection. I can take anything dead in your life, dead relationship with my dad, think back to my buddy at the movie theater, and I can make it have life even when it's dying. When he sends me that picture of his dead dad, first of all, isn't that interesting part of technology this day? But I also go, I wish I had pictures of our daughter on her deathbed. And no one, phone cameras weren't really happening just yet. So the accessibility. And there seems something morbid almost about taking a picture of someone dying. But it's so natural. It's a natural part of life that we've kind of lost. But even God can bring, he can resurrect a dying father's relationship with his son as he's dying. My buddy tells me he was praying over his dad. And my buddy doesn't really like to pray much out loud. And he says, 
And his dad had never heard him pray. And he said he's holding his dad's hand and he prays and he prays and his dad has had his eyes closed for hours. And when he prayed, his dad's eyes went and looked right at him. Like, I didn't know you could do that. Resurrecting life. My buddy had closure because of the journey Jesus took him on. It was beautiful, so beautiful. I'm the vine. So what is it for you? This is where we're going to spend some time reflecting. What is it for you? Look at these four questions. What story penetrates your heart the most? What I am? What belief? How has your belief increased? How is following being called out in your life? Take a moment, pull out your sheet. I want us to share some on this right now as we head uh, to the close of this today. Start to write down what story penetrated your heart the most, what I am, what belief has increased in you, how your desire to follow more into what he has for you uh, blossomed. You heard me say it was the I am statements. The I am statements just are penetrating me. They're such deep wells that when I sit in, I had one buddy say, it's the vine. He says, it's the vine. He goes, that whole thing about how God wants to prune, I can't believe I've held back from letting God prune me. He has so much better stuff for me if I just let him prune me of some of my dead weight. And he goes, I'm starting to experience that. What was it for you? The vine also hit me in the process where it's this journey, where there's these seasons where I'm bearing fruit, I'm being pruned. I'm bearing fruit, I'm being pruned. That visual was powerful to me. It's a much more gracious process than we allowed, and it actually takes, I think, a lot more time than we think. Does that make sense? This is the believing and following process. So what I'd love for you to do is just for you to share. Just share. Just stay at your seats. Will somebody come with a mic? And just share one of these answers to these four questions. Somebody go first, just to get us going. What story, what I am, what belief, how's your belief increased? Right here. Jesus prayed for me and all believers. Mm-hmm. And it was so impacting to tell me that I'm in union with him and the Father, and he's praying for me. I mean, what strength and, and, you know, it gives me in life to follow him. So it was the unity piece. Unity. Yeah, that you're one with the Father. Uh, that's mysterious and has to be believed to be understood and lived into. Somebody else, what is it for you? Which I am, which story? So one of those redundancies in the book of John is how many times Jesus identifies himself with God the Father, and there's no doubt that he is proclaiming himself as Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, mm-hmm. the Christ. He and his Father, he and the Father are one. I'm about my Father's business. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of just striking to me that these, I've always kind of grown up with these being stories, and I really for the first time he made them stories. These are events. These mm-hmm. are things that happened. Mm-hmm. And when I see the... Um, 
the the uh, what the the witnesses the Lazarus and all the all the amazing things that were done in that in this in this book, how the disciples were present for those and saw those things, and yet still when the arrest came they ran away and they were the fearful right. people, and yet when when Jesus came back and restored Peter when and when Jesus resurrected himself when he or when God resurrected Jesus and they saw a resurrected Lord how that changed their lives. And so mm. John and these other disciples of John who wrote this book, all of whom led, you know, followed Jesus to bad deaths and, and, yeah. and followed him. Their lives were changed so much because of what they had seen. And they suddenly put it together that these events and these things that Jesus was saying were true. Yeah. And that truth changed their lives yeah. and, and the rest of history. It's a process. They had seen it. They had heard about it but they needed a moment to truly claim it. I think about my buddy. It's been a seven-year process with my buddy, the movie theater buddy. I mean, he's been swirling around it, but then over time, his belief and then his willingness to follow. Yeah. Someone else, which I am statement, which story, how has your belief increased? I think that the uh, extravagant worship of Mary really touched my heart, um, that she was willing. First, the whole feet thing that he talked about was kind of, you know, kind of get you. And then the, the fact that she was willing to be so extravagant, and I realized that I wasn't spending the time with Jesus that I needed to. And mm-hmm. so I flipped that around, and it's, it's changed everything. Mm, that's good. Right down here. Oh, I go ahead. I was just going to add that um, for me, the, uh, the I am statement that just gets me every time is the Good Shepherd because mm-hmm. it leaves me with just a sense of that I can truly, com- truly and completely let go and follow. And he will care for every part of my life. And the other one that really speaks to me now is the resurrection. Hmm. Um, just last weekend, I married a Jew whose life was completely transformed when he accepted Christ last year. Mm. Completely. He's actually not here because he's in Israel. He's back home. Um, but just the profound... I mean, he was an amazing person before. Um, true character and, and all that. Because God had been following him, pursuing him a long time. But to see how completely transformed he is by knowing Christ now personally. Um, The changes that have happened, just the deep, deep knowing, it it just shows me again that that God chose us all before we chose him Mm -hmm. and that when we accept him, the transformation is immediate. Yes, there are some things that come over time, but the the deep sense of knowing and the, the transformation of your soul and your spirit is immediate. Mm-hmm. And it's just so exciting. You know, I see this thing, of, you know, our pastor and the group is in Israel, and it, it really does bring home mm-hmm. all the stories. But more than that, whenever we see a life transformed, it is like we, we each get to re-experience how profound the Holy Spirit is in each of our lives and how quickly he changes us, mm-hmm. how quickly he resurrects 
all that he, he initially meant for each of us when he, as it says in, you know, Psalms, what is it, 139, that he formed us in the womb. He knew us before we were made. It's good. It's good. Okay. Mine is uh, in John 3.16, um, how he gave his only son for the sins of the world. And uh, I've got ten and a half years clean and sober, and the amazing thing is for me is that when I first got clean and sober and I first asked Christ to come into my life, it was really hard for me to understand that statement. I, I really understood it, but as I work my 12 steps and as I work with my sponsor and, and as Stephen's minister, it, I find it really hard because as I look at all the sins that I created, I, I've had a hard time understanding how Christ can forgive me for mm. my sins, how God mm-hmm. can give his son for that. And um, as I'm learning to understand my true identity in Christ, it just impacts me more and more to realize that mm-hmm. God would give his son for a, a wretched sinner as myself and for everybody else in this room. Right. And um, I wrestle with that one daily because I reflect back of who I used to be and the lies and the deceitfulness that I, that I put upon people. Even in the beginning of my recovery, and I still was really walking a, a loose path, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I still wrestle with it, but I'm grateful for it yeah. in, in so many ways. So. It's good. It's good. Here's what I want you to do right now. Grab a piece of paper or your message notes and finish this line, Jesus is. And I'm going to invite the band up. And before the band plays for us, I want us to convey these out loud one by one. Jesus is. What's your Jesus is? Jesus is, John would want us to remember, Jesus is the Son of God. But what's Jesus is to you? Take a moment. And let's just start to say them one by one out loud. Just give them space one by one. Let's let them hear it. And use the phrase, Jesus is. Let me, let's just share these with each other one by one so we can hear them. So Lord, we thank you for who you are. And now as we close, may we sing of that. And may we honor you uh, with our lives. And Father, we ask that you would help us to believe and follow in your name and for your glory. And all God's people said, come stand and sing. listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.